This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Product marketing has become a crucial function for B2B revenue teams. That is like the no-dust statement of the year, maybe. And it's a very, very young year, but that might be the statement of the, you know, the understatement of the year, the obvious statement. Product marketers play a key role in understanding your buyer needs and providing insights that help each sales rep improve their win rate and create better experiences for buyers. Product marketers are constantly researching, defining, and communicating the position of the product. But some organizations struggle to align product marketing and sales initiatives. The struggle to create a strong feedback loop is real. The struggle to inspire action or change is maybe even more real. If there is a real, real, it's real, real, real. So if you're a product marketer, how do you take your learnings, your insights, your research, and use these things to create alignment with your sales and the rest of your organization. Let's chew on this today. Joining me on today's episode is Alin Bader, Head of Product Marketing at Bombora. Alin, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me today. I look forward to chatting. Absolutely. So before we hop into this, we have a tradition here at, at uh, Sales Intelligence Weekly, and that is to, to learn a little bit more about our, our guest uh, on the show. So before we get into the, the meat of the conversation, tell us about you. Tell us about Bombora. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've been working full-time in digital media now for over 10 years, initially starting out in sales myself at a company called Patch, which was formerly owned by AOL. So there I quickly learned that while my call times might have been longer than those and other members on my inside sales team, I was more interested in the post-sales support side where I could consult and upsell our clients on a regular basis. So I pivoted into account management and that led me to Pandora. And that's where I was able to gain exposure to product development and marketing teams, getting to help execute some really cool and first to market digital media experiences for major national brands like Anheuser-Busch. This naturally led me to product marketing. I wanted to learn more, I was super excited. Um, and this allowed me to merge my interpersonal and technical skills that I developed with more creative work. I moved over into ad tech from there, where I was able to expand that knowledge again uh, and learn more about programmatic specifically and contextual technology as Google announced that they'd be deprecating third-party cookie, which has been pushed down the road, but at the time it was very hot. So contextual is all the rage. Um, so having been a product marketer for Pubmatic, which is a well-known SSP and Integral Ad Science, which is a well-known ad verification company, I learned how to wear many different hats and message to several different audiences with very different needs. I'm currently head of product marketing at Bombora, where I'm taking all those skills that I've applied over the years and trying to um, create a product marketing team and a very strong commercialization team. That's awesome. So um, it turns out you're the, the right person to be talking to about this very topic. So 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 glad to meet you. So glad to have you on the show today. Let's get into this. Uh, I want to set the stage first. Let's talk about ownership. In your experience, you know, what should product marketing own? I mean, really, you've seen, uh, you, you've run the gamut of, uh, uh, you know, from sales all the way through to where you're currently at. What, what should product marketing own? 
Yeah, it's interesting. Every company has a different perception of what product marketing should own. And every product marketing team even has a different perception. Totally. So, so much of it too is also based on what resources you have available and how big your team is, how big your company is, and how new product marketing is to the org, for example. So I'm going to preface that. But in my opinion, I do think that product marketers should, should be subject matter experts for the company's product and integration portfolio. That's just a fact, no matter how big your team is or where you sit in the organization. Um, I think product marketing should be a vital part of each uh, phase of the go-to-market, from discovery to ideation to alpha to beta and GA product releases. So responsibilities here range from conducting market research and gathering competitive intelligence during the ideation phase to driving product naming, positioning, pricing, branding, and then connecting with enablement teams if those exist. If they don't exist, also being the ones to enable sales, create collateral, thought leadership, and other creative forms of communicating the product position. So ultimately, product marketing should be responsible for delivering the compelling and clear messaging internally and externally to drive product adoption revenue growth. So, I mean, really, when you describe it that way, it sounds like um, if you don't have this, if any of our listeners are out there and they don't have product marketing teams that are dialed in, they are missing out hard. Yeah, a subject matter expert that can help with messaging and, and drive that for sales. I mean, of course, I mean, that makes sense. But what does that relationship look like? I mean, you're, you're talking about the relationship between product marketing and sales. What does it look like? Or what better, what should it look like between product marketing and sales? Help, help me understand this a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I think product marketing is instrumental in connecting the more technical side of the product and really understanding the product well enough to translate all of that information into a very clear value prop so that sales can do their job so that they can go out and explain to customers very clearly why they need to buy this thing, why it's important to them, and then come back with any feedback to back to product marketing. So it's really important that product marketing has a close relationship with sales. Sellers are on the front lines talking to prospects and clients every single day. So if you're able to establish a trusting relationship with sales, they're going to bring you in on those customer calls. They want you there. They want that help. Sometimes they're just maybe not sure how to ask for it or what to ask. So I do think that establishing that trusting relationship is super important. Um, and a lot of times that feedback that you'll get either from sales or even listening in on customer calls um, is going to help you define that go-to-market strategy for any upcoming release. It's going to help you determine whether an existing product or solutions needs to be rebranded potentially or repositioned. So I do think product marketing should lean on sales and other customer-facing teams like customer success, client services. For honest feedback, both you know, just during, after um, the product is released into market. What kind of feedback? You say honest feedback. What kind of feedback would you hope for uh, to, to receive from those other teams for product marketing? I think the the easy thing would be: Do you understand what this product does? Do you mm -hmm. understand what we're selling to you? Um, does the name make sense? Is it priced accordingly? I think price is very, very important, and we might price something initially based on the intel that we have, based on what our competitor is doing, based on the margins that we need to hit, but they might be too expensive or it might actually not be priced according to competition, regardless of what our intel said. So when we get that feedback from customers, we have to sometimes go back to the drawing board um, and we do need that honest feedback. We do need to hear, this doesn't make any sense to me or your competition is doing the exact same thing, but they're selling it this way. 
And customers will say that if you establish a good relationship with your top partners, they will give you that feedback. And it's really important as product marketing to hear that feedback because then you can go back to the drawing board and you have clear explanation as to why you need to rebrand something. Okay. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, we're a win-loss company. We're all about understanding the voice of the customer around sales motion, product, uh, pricing, you know, go-to-market uh, perceptions uh, versus top competitors. So that's that, that makes perfect sense to me. I want to circle back on this in a second. First, I want to talk about friction points. Um, you already started to allude to some of it, but what are some of the common friction points that you see between product marketing and sales? You know, one of the things that you had mentioned a second ago was sometimes sales may not know what questions to ask. Uh, you know, they may not know what to do. Um, you know, what are some of those common friction points? Yeah, um, I don't think necessarily that this is unique between sales and product marketing per se, but a common point of friction that I've seen in most companies is agreeing on prioritization. So what could be considered urgent for, for sales, for example, is not necessarily going to be urgent for product marketing at the same time. So if you work for a company that sells to multiple different audiences and you're a seller who's focused on, say, agency sales, your client is your top priority, regardless of what product marketing is working on, regardless of what the roadmap looks like. If your uh, major holding company or agency needs a lunch and learn and you need additional collateral and you need a project like a subject matter expert there, you are probably going to go to product product marketing and expect them to drop everything to cater to this very urgent need that you have. But there's also product releases that you might not be aware of. There's different audiences we're catering to. So it's that sense of balancing prioritization and also setting clear expectations both internally and externally. Um, I think that's a pretty common friction point. Massive friction point, right? I mean, and that creates all kinds of, uh, there's expectations and beliefs that are weird and strange that, that, you know, it's like two ships that pass in the night. We don't see each other and understand each other uh, enough to really be able to participate appropriately. How do you, how do you address that as the leader? How do you address that communication uh, and, and kind of roadmap alignment on what we're doing you know, at the the big picture of product marketing and also when you need us just in, just in time, you know, how, how do you balance that in, in communication with the sales leaders? Yeah. I mean, I try to be as transparent as possible. I want that same feedback and transparency from them. So I think it's important that we do the same and it's not, we shouldn't just be talking to um, sales about what sales support we're working on. There's a lot of things that they don't see that happens behind the scenes that they might not know about. So they do need to understand or at least have visibility in some of our other work as well. So um, we use project management tools like Asana, for example, that you can see everything that we're working on as a team. You can see uh, different due dates, you can set different due dates, and it's good to have that transparency between the teams. I, I do want that open feedback, but I want them to understand that typically product marketing is also much, much smaller than sales as well. We don't have as many resources. I, I can say probably with confidence that that's universally applicable, that product marketing is very lean organization compared to sales in every company. So that also has to be taken into consideration. And I, what I ask for my sales leaders is prioritize. You have this list, like I want you to prioritize as well. You come to me with this list of, um, asks or or needs what is most important to you because I can only get to one or two of these things this week or our team can only you know handle 
three requests this month for your needs because we're also catering to publishers. We're also catering to our uh, programmatic partners. We're catering to internal enablement needs, and there's a lot to balance. So that, that makes good sense. Um, you mentioned Asana. What other, you know, what does your feedback or communication loop look like? Um, are, are there there are there tech or or tools that you employ? Um, you know, how do you deal with aligning um, when we're in today's business environment where everybody might be, uh, you know, co-located, where people might not be all in the same place? How how do you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. And Bumbor is a, a great example where we're all a lot of people are are virtual. We have two offices nationwide, but most of us are remote. And so almost every meeting is virtual. And I think we've all gotten into the habit of, you know, being comfortable with Zoom and scheduling calls and sending email notes. Um, But what I like to do and what I have found effective over the years, even before this virtual culture, um, is that for any type of product go-to-markets, I encourage creating internal working groups as soon as you know that something's coming down the line, as soon as you know that something actually might make it to the roadmap or is going to be a priority for the company, you start creating this internal working group that's composed of cross-functional subject matter experts. So you assign someone from product, which is usually the product leader. You have the product marketer. You'll have someone from legal, hopefully, early in those conversations. If you have a pricing team, if not, then product marketing takes that on. Um, solutions engineers, any pre-sales support, customer success, and sales. So if you have at least one representative from each cross-functional group, that's going to help you organize everything before you go to market and help share that feedback or that um, any information that's learned in that group with the rest of their team before you actually uh, announce something, then that really helps. That working group typically will set up status calls. I set up an internal Slack channel for those individuals. And it's like our working group. We create a little cohort. And that's where we discuss things like brainstorming product names. Well, that's where we can share our customer feedback if there is any, um, get ahead of blockers, share any timelines, really use that as a strategic session with like a brain dump. And so I've seen success using Slack, um, having this little group formed from the beginning and getting sales involved from the beginning, just so they know what's coming, when it's coming, and they can already start thinking about what their customers have already told them, maybe anticipating needs and already starting to think about how they can share that back with product marketing. Yeah. So I I love this. Um, It's been my experience that whenever we bring sales into a situation or um, bring them into thinking about what's coming down the pike, uh, salespeople are lovely human beings because they take these nascent ideas and make them look like they're fully, fully baked or fully grown. Um, How do you avoid... (laughs) Right. How do you? It sounds like you might have some experience with this. How do you like mitigate that? Uh, and that's the case for everybody. And and sales, by the way, is supposed to do that, right? They're supposed to be out there, pushing the envelope, testing things, finding you know what's working, not working, so that so that product marketing can come back in and and start to change that messaging and and create the the perceptions in the marketplace so that we have something to to change and work on. But how do you mitigate that issue? of stuff moving maybe a little too quick in this in this group setting how do you mitigate that yeah it's it's funny you say that because that was also another friction point that i was thinking of uh-huh. that sales and product marketing 
because there's always, you know, it's a big company. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of ideas, even something that might materialize from a hackathon from engineering that has not even made it on the roadmap internally or someone hears about it and gets super excited, which is great. It's great. They will share that feedback or that, um, that example with customers. And so it is, I think in product marketing, sometimes we have to backpedal a little bit Mm -hmm. and sometimes there are fire drills that we have to help with um, when information hits our customers before we're ready to talk about it, before it's even real, before we have any idea what we're going to build, if it's even technically possible, when it's going to be released too. And that's another big point that even if something's on the roadmap, we might not know exactly when it's going to be available for customer use. It might hit alpha and then be in an alpha phase for testing for months for all we know. So we try as product marketing, I think it's really important for us to try to rein sales in and have them come to us before they address their customer and announce something new. Um, And that can be challenging. I think a way to help mitigate that is, you know, again, increasing that transparency Asana is a great place where they can see if we have a project plan built out for a go-to-market and they're brought in from the beginning, they get a sense of when it'll actually be ready to talk to clients about. When will they have collateral? When will we have pricing ready? When will we have order forms? When will this be in Salesforce? And it's a little bit, it's a great tool to help, but I don't think it solves for, you know, that, that can happen out of excitement from sales. So, um, it's it's a growing pain that we're learning how to deal with with time. Well, if you that that's almost a trick question because we're talking about humans, right? And this is like the problem since since the Stone Ages. I'm assuming uh, when somebody gets excited, it gets out there. And by the way, if you figure it out, would you please like let me know so we can employ that that learning? <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say I do think though we can sometimes use that as an opportunity. That if, you know, say if a seller goes out and and talks to um, either a prospect or an existing client about this new new product we're going to release or new integration, um, and that prospect is super excited about it and like ready to go tomorrow, that's a great opportunity to keep that prospect engaged for when it actually is ready to go and have them be first to test it. If we do an alpha or beta trial, get that client, get that prospect engaged from the beginning, get them excited, and then use that as an opportunity to, to engage them about something else that we actually know is going to be on the roadmap about things that we actually have collateral about that we need to sell. So we can use that as an opportunity. It just sort of depends on who you're talking to and, and what you're selling or what you're pitching to them. So love that, right? And what a what a wonderful way to unagi that from a problem into an opportunity. Well done, my friend. Uh, so uh, I, I want to go there. You just mentioned something. So you know when we have these new things or even old things, and we're we're trying to uh, understand what our customers are thinking, feeling, you know, with our product, with our company. You know, how do you go about collecting buyer customer sales feedback? You know, how do how do you go about collecting this feedback? Yeah, I think there there are a lot of ways to solicit feedback, but it doesn't always mean that you're going to receive responses or that they're going to be quality. So I found that tools like NPS or customer advisory boards or QBRs are really good ways to receive unfiltered and structured feedback from customers. And typically that is what sales and customer success leads. So they'll either pull in product marketing or share the voice of the customer input afterwards, which is very helpful. 
Um, but if product marketing is not able to join those calls, we also are able to listen in on Gong. So we use Gong at Bombora and it records and transcribes and analyzes sales calls specifically. So we'll listen for common themes, pain points, anything that can help us understand customer needs and then use that to tailor messaging to address those needs. Similarly, the participation alpha and beta opportunities, which I've mentioned a little bit earlier, um, that provides a great way for us to gather feedback before we go GA, before we release something into the wild. Um, if we're able to get that user feedback, either from user experience interviews or from um, as, as part of those beta requirements, you can you can learn a lot from someone who's testing a new shiny toy. Yeah, and they're and typically when they're testing the new shiny toy, they're really excited to provide that feedback because they know it's a new shiny toy. Yeah, so love that. Um, Gong conversational re, uh, intelligence is an is kind of a burgeoning market and and tools. That is amazing work, right? And um, we find we use that as well. In fact, we integrate with Gong to get that full end to end play, right? Front end sales process. What are they talking about on the front end? And then what's driving their decision on the back end? That's primary intelligence. And it's having that 360 vision into what's happening from the customer perspective. Amazing. So I love that. So, okay. So we've, we've talked about uh, feedback and communication. We've talked about alignment between marketing and sales. We've talked about collecting that feedback. How do we get buy-in? Okay, so let, let, let's get down to the nitty-gritty here. How do we get the buy-in from sales from product marketing perspective? I think that takes a little bit of time because mm. again, you have to establish trust, especially if product marketing is a newer function in the organization. Um, the sooner you bring in sales, the sooner they can get visibility into your go-to-market plan and that full, you know, even if something's not set to release into, um, into the wild until, you know, six months from now, it's really good to get them to understand your vision that once this is live, you plan to, um, have press that accompanies it. You plan to, uh, have case studies, you plan to do webinars and a lot of co-marketing to push this out. They'll get more excited about your vision. They can also feel like they're providing feedback from the beginning and that they're also bought in if they agree with the positioning that you're, you know, what, whatever you do for the product release. So if you're meeting their customer needs and you're providing them with helpful collateral or tools to help them sell and explain the value to their customer, I hope they'll be bought in, but it takes time to establish that trust. Mm. Trust. Uh my gosh, uh, for listeners that have listened to every episode of uh, Sales Intelligence Weekly, uh, trust seems to come up in almost any conversation that we've had about in any direction. Trust is the core of almost everything. That is such a fascinating thing. How, from your perspective, um, you mentioned a couple of things uh, that build confidence and trust, and that's results. Right. So if we're we're meeting the customer need, if we're producing the result to help them get the sale, if we're doing those things, hopefully they'll they'll be bought in. How how do you build trust? You've just just you know, person to person. How how do you how do you do that? In product marketing, and me especially, I need to feel comfortable with the product that we're trying to sell and build. I need to be able to describe it to an engineer as well as be able to describe it to an an ad ops person, to a CMO, to a CSO. So I need to have that full vision of the product. And when your seller can see that you know the technical ins and outs of 
whatever is being built or whatever already exists, they know they can bring you in and rely on you as a subject matter expert or someone who can help them, you know, better refine their story. And they don't have to focus on all of the little details. They can focus on the bigger picture and really understanding uh, what their client needs and how to sell it. So I think they establishing trust. Um, I do that through my technical knowledge, through, you know, listening and then proving that I've listened to what, you know, sales has come to me with, what their needs are, um, asking them directly, what do you need? What, how are we doing? Kind of soliciting quarterly feedback as well for the team. What's going well? What can be improved? What additional enablement do you need? What additional collateral? How can we better work together? And then making sure that we do, you know, stay in that constant communication establishes trust, I think. Hey, let's make the assumption we now have trust. We've gone through all of these steps that we've just walked through. Now we have trust with our teams. How, as a product marketer, how, how, how do you, product marketer leader, how do you get your product marketing team to act on the insights or findings from the research that you're conducting, either from, you know, feedback from internal resources or external resources? How do you get them to move? Yeah. Um, so we, we have these go-to-market briefs that we use here. It's an internal document. Um, it's been a process that's worked pretty well in my past life as well that provides everything from the problem statement to the solution to positioning to the why are we building this who is it for who are our target personas who's our uh, ideal customer profile any limitations timelines it's a very baked out document that also includes competitive intel any additional market intelligence pretty much the the bible of what this product is for internal consumption for all teams to use and and reference um, and my team will then use that go-to-market brief to pull out points for collateral, for one-sheeters, for webinars, for talking points, for events. We'll use that to build our positioning for whatever product we're releasing. Um, that market research and competitive intelligence is supposed to inform our what we're going to call a product. It's going to supposed to inform how we position it. And even what forms of collateral or enablement are going to be needed, depending on what we've learned. So if it's something that's pretty simple and table stakes for us to build, we'll, and, and we've learned that from customers and we've just learned, yeah, yeah, you guys should have already had this. We're already using this. We don't, we already know what this is. You need it. Um, we're not going to spend that much time building out an enablement plan. Probably we're going to consider it a low go to market and we're maybe going to have, let's say, a one sheet, or we're going to update the website and just say that, hey, this is now a capability. This is something that we offer because we know that our customers are already well-versed on, you know, this feature, this thing that they've needed from us. But if it's something brand new or very nuanced, like a partner integration or something that's really exciting and unique to, to our company, then we have to be really thoughtful about that go-to-market. We might need to do um, we're, we would consider it a high go-to-market, so we might need product demo videos, we might need press, we might have an event that we tie this product release to. We'll have to be very thoughtful about the approach, and that's also based on the, you know, the research that we've gathered from customers, that they want to learn more. They've never heard about this before, they've never heard about this offering before, so we need to be really thoughtful about how we actually release this so that we can avoid rebranding things, so that we can avoid repositioning as much as possible. So there's a difference between say rebranding and tailoring in the moment, right? So a major difference. 
Um, and and I understand that the of avoiding rebranding, my gosh, the the lift and the cost and the cycles that that it takes to do that sort of thing is it's painful. But the tailoring, it's been our experience that if you're able to tailor in the moment to the person that you're speaking to, to demonstrate that you understand them deeply, their business, their need, their workflow, all of that stuff, you stand a significantly higher chance of differentiating yourself from the competition in the sales cycle and get them to buy into your partnership, with, which leads them to a yes, right? So from your perspective, how do you ultimately tailor uh, the, the presentation, the demonstration um, to, to meet the needs of the person, the persona, like you mentioned the, you know, everything ranging from the CMO down to maybe an engineer, um, or maybe down is the wrong way, but, but uh, from CMO to engineer, you know, how do you tailor this from a product marketing perspective? Um, when you have those clear buyer personas from the beginning, it really helps too. A lot of those buyer personas, it, it should all be based on research. It should be based on very detailed research about what each of these personas wants, what's important to them, what their KPIs are, and then take bits of those languages, even keywords that are important to them. So if you're in demand gen or account-based marketing, ABM, then when I'm putting together a one-sheeter for a demand gen you know, leader or someone who's focused on account-based marketing, I know which keywords to pepper in there. I know where to lead. Maybe it'll be the same exact values, like the same benefits, five bullet points, for example, on like a simple one-sheeter, but I'm going to change the order a little bit. I'm going to hopefully hook you from the beginning with what matters to you more than, you know, say an ops person who cares more about operational efficiencies or less overhead. So understanding the value and the benefits to each different audience will inform different, and also the ways that they consume information too, I should mention, right? If you're a CMO, you probably want something quick and snappy. Uh, you don't have the time to sit there and read a detailed user guide or even watch a 30-minute video or a demo video. You, you're going to leave that to somebody else. You just want a very quick, you know, maybe email or bullet point or phone call or elevator pitch, as opposed to someone who's a little bit more in the weeds and is going to ask all those questions, is going to want the data points, is going to want the proof points. So understanding your buyer personas will hopefully inform how you tailor that message and, and how you present it to them too. So it's, it's good to understand it from the beginning if you can. Okay. So we've talked about a lot, like a lot. And for our listeners, you know, as we're winding down our conversation here, um, if, if you were saying, look, uh, you product marketers out there that are just starting or you organizations that might be just starting or looking to take your product marketing from here to the next level, you know, good to great, you know, level up in your, your product marketing. If you had one piece of advice for these listeners, what would it be? Um, I think in, in general, everything that we do, just put the customer at the forefront of everything you do. Don't rely on assumptions, push for that buyer and user feedback, push for that interdepartmental collaboration and creativity, encourage that, um, confirm your buyer's needs, work together to actually create compelling positioning and value uh, and create the value for your customers to meet those needs. Applying that mentality as a product marketing, I think will create alignment and trust with your sales team and hopefully allow you to reach your joint goal, which as a company, you should all be working towards the same goal. So putting the customer at the forefront is very important. Powerful. Alin, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. It's really been, it's been a, a treat getting to know you and thank you for sharing your insights. 
Thank you so much for having me. And listeners, for more from our friends at Bombora and from us here at Primary Intelligence, visit us at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.